In this episode of the Nerd by Word podcast, we feature our first ever returning guest. Frank Martin is back at the Byword to talk about his brand new creation, Pipe Creepers number one. Welcome into another exclusive episode of the Nerd Byword Podcast. And yes, in our Byword Big Talk, Frank Martin is back, boys and girls. Pipe Creepers number one is currently running on Kickstarter, so be sure to check that one out. We'll talk exclusively with Frank uh, here in just a few minutes. But first, you know and I know that it's time for... Now, Dave, we waited patiently, oh, so patiently, but it's finally here. Yes, finally, we can stop listening to the Spidey social media verse whining that there hasn't been a No Way Home trailer. We finally received uh, a Spider-Man No Way Home trailer, which, of course, uh, may not have even been uh, you know, planned to be released at this time. Uh, considering that there was a very grainy, very poor quality leak about a day or so before the official release. So it's very possible that uh, in order to counteract this very, very crappy quality uh, leak, uh, Marvel decided, you know, we're going to dump this trailer out in the world. And let me tell you, I told you this already before we started recording the pod today. There is something about this trailer that really speaks to me, much more so even Uh, I think, than the first two MCU Spider-Man movies. I think everything in this trailer is clicking in the absolute best possible way. There are really real personal stakes for Peter as his identity is revealed to the world and how that affects him. Um, We're not, you know, once again dwelling on uh, Iron Man or Iron Man's death. We're moving forward. There's a very, very cool guest spot in the trailer by Doctor Strange, which I think is very smart. Uh, a good combination, Doctor Strange and Spider-Man. I think there's a lot of um, potential in that relationship on the big screen to be explored further. And then, of course, the hints of, you know, the Sam Raimi villains, uh, including, you know, um, the laughter of uh, our favorite Green Goblin, uh, uh, which, you know, probably the best cast role in the original Spider-Man movies besides, of course, Doctor Octopus. And, you know, that that was a totally great end shot for this trailer to see alfred molina back as dr octopus you know spider-man 2 holds a special place in my heart anyways even though you know looking back there's plenty of problems with those movies alfred molina's doc ock was certainly not one of them and seeing him back in that role and just you know looking uh, at the camera and saying hello peter in that perfect voice is just so exciting to see him back in that role so there, there's a lot of good stuff in the trailer that makes me very, very happy. Um, I'll also freely admit uh, a lot of people on social media have been complaining because there's been so many rumors that Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield are going to reprise their versions of Spider-Man in this movie, that that is not in the trailer, to which I say, 
you know, if they're actually going to pop up in this movie, that is not what I would dump in the first teaser trailer either. I don't even think I would dump that in any trailer, no matter how much speculation there is on social media and how many supposed leaks. Uh, it's much, much more fun to walk into that movie cold and suddenly, boom, there's Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man. I'd rather not know ahead of time. I'd rather not see that in the trailer. So anyways, I, I love this trailer. Uh, I'm, I'm more excited for this MCU Spider-Man movie than for the two previous ones. There is something about this trailer that really speaks to me, and I am very, very excited for the movie. Chris, as a total Spidey head, I'm very, very <laughs> curious to hear what you have to say. What, what do you think, Webhead? Okay, so I am a very atypical Spider-Man fan. I go against the grain. I'm a Nick Spencer-run defender uh, I'm a Raimi Spider-Man, uh, criticizer, so I am not your typical Spider-Man, uh, fan. Um, so the things that jumped out to me, um, uh, if we go, like, a minute-by-minute minute type thing, the chemistry, the real-life chemistry, apparently, if you believe the tabloids, of Zendaya as MJ and Tom Holland as Peter Parker is, it's so good, and I think it's, um, as, a, along with with um, Ganky, I mean, oh Ned, um, by <laughs> Jacob Batalon, uh, I think those are the strengths and what keep me coming back. I'm a, I'm a MCU Spider Man defender. I I see the potential there underneath the the stark heaviness because, and I I also don't get offended. Um, you know, here's here's my take of the week. I don't get offended. I don't get my feelings hurt by how heavy. Tony Stark features in these Spider-Man films because good God, where doesn't he feature heavily in the MCU? He creates all the villains. Uh, he's responsible for all the villains. He's it's, it's very heavy handed. I mean, he's the Batman and Wolverine of the Marvel cinematic universe. So all respect to Robert Downey Jr. I realize that he is the progenitor of this connected universe, but I'm glad that we are stepping away from that. And and this is one of the first real breathable moments for Peter Parker in the MCU. And I think, you know, a lot of people are making the point that, oh, Peter always had to have this father figure. Uh, you know, it goes from Tony Stark, then it went to Nick Fury. Now it's going to Doctor Strange. But for me, and Nick Fury was fine for me in Far From Home. I, li- I enjoyed Far From Home a great deal. Um and it, and it lines up with a lot of the comics canon of, you know, him trying to work with S.H.I.E.L.D. and play nice. But even more so, I'm excited to see him on screen going back and forth with Doctor Strange because that's a very, uh, you know, heavy comics canon, you know, laced uh, relationship. Anytime that Peter gets into some magical hijinks, he is, you know, going straight to Bleecker Street and the Sanctum Sanctorum. So there, there is a very rich history uh, as far as their relationship goes to draw from. Some of my favorite Amazing Spider-Man stories are, are ones where Peter and Doctor Strange are, are teaming up or working together to, to figure something out. And, um, you know, it's very, very on brand that Peter would screw up uh, seemingly the entire multiverse and, and, and Steven would let him just because of something like this. Um, I think one of my favorite memes to come out of this entire trailer, aside from the very, very New York, very Brooklyn, if you will, uh, Doctor Strange with the hoodie and the the parka, 
So there was a lot of great memes coming out of that look. Um, also, why is the Sanctum Sanctorum frozen? Uh, I can't wait to, to investigate that further. Um, but my favorite one is like where Peter's interrupting him, like doing the spell. And he's like, well, shouldn't these three people? And then um, and then they make the meme where Dr. Strange says, just tell him again. <laughs> like <laughs> you can, you can easily tell two or three people. We're trying to wipe out the entire world, knowing your identity, Peter. Good God. So yeah, Peter, Peter just, it, it, it and, and th- Dave, this, you know, I've, I've listened to interviews with Tom Holland and he explicitly says, you know, I read ultimate Spider-Man for, you know, to study for this role. And it is no more apparent than in this trailer that whole fake it till you make it. And that's also why I love the previous MCU entries. The whole fake it till you make it, you're in way over your skis. And that's much more ultimate Spider-Man than it is 616 proper Peter Parker. So as that's my favorite comic book of all time, uh, I keep coming back to this and excusing the Tony Stark stuff. But I'm very, very excited for this film. I mean, when I saw the 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 pumpkin bomb and heard the laugh, and then when I... Alfred Milley, just the line delivery, Jesus. You know I'm a thespian at heart. The line delivery of just that simple, hello, Peter. It's not over the top. It's not overly dramatic. It's just a simple, reserved, hello, Peter. And it's so good to me. And, you know, my criticisms of the Raimi verses, I'm not the huge Tobey Maguire fan that so many many Spider-Man fans are. I think... As the kids say, they understood the assignment. They were really trying to go for those Lee Ramita 60s and 70s kind of shtick of things. And they nailed that. It's just not what I look for in a Spider-Man comic. So I much prefer like Ultimate Spider-Man, a much more updated take on the character. I think um, all respect to Tom Holland. Here's my hot take of the week of the entire podcast, maybe. Andrew Garfield is my favorite on-screen Peter Parker. Unless we're... (laughs) Unless... Unless... Unless we're including Jake Johnson as Peter B. Parker uh, in the animated film Into the Spider-Verse, which is an an impeccable film that has absolutely no faults whatsoever. Um, I think Andrew Garfield um, is the Ewan McGregor of the Star Wars prequels. He was really trying to to lift a a lot with Emma Stone. But I, I, I will also posit that her Gwen Stacy was so interesting because it was really MJ because that is not the Gwen Stacy we were reading in the sixties and seventies, honey, Gwen Stacy in the sixties and seventies and Kevin Ewing, I love you, but Gwen Stacy in the sixties and seventies by Lee Ramita and and Lee Ditko is one of the most boring characters that I've ever read in a comic book. But, uh, so I, I'm a big Andrew Garfield fan. So, uh, and to your point, Dave, and I know I'm rambling, but you asked the spider fans opinion. I, I'm excited to see it. If if they bring all three boys back, it'd be great. But I sure as heck would not put that in the teaser trailer. I mean, we just talked about last week. The Eternals teaser trailer didn't give us a lot. The teaser trailer is here is the bare minimum. Here is the amuse bouche of the meal. Here is a single a tapas, a single bite. You're not going to put that in the teaser. And to your point, I wouldn't put it in the trailer either. I, I was almost to the point where we're so close to the film. It's Christmas time, I think, right? So yes. I'm, I'm good. I'm good with just seeing it on screen for the first time. I was okay with getting no trailer at this point. I was just like, I want to be surprised. 
I love surprises. I don't ever ask for anything on my Christmas list because I want to be surprised. So I don't show me that, please. Let me just experience that in the theater. So I actually have two things to add to the uh, discussion after listening to your very, very carefully composed and well thought out rant. And that was with uh, no script. I know. I'm very <laughs> impressed. So so first, I, I think it really, really needs to be pointed out that you and I are exactly on the same wavelength when it comes to Spider-Man movies, because Andrew Garfield was my favorite as well. And it is incredibly disappointing how very, very wrong they did him in uh, The Amazing Spider-Man 2 by just giving him very, very much a subpar movie. And he was by far the best thing about it. So yeah, I'm a big Andrew Garfield fan as Peter Parker as well. I think he's probably my favorite take uh, in live action on the character. Uh, secondly, I do want to point out um, that there's been already a whole bunch of speculation on social media that Doctor Strange in this movie may not be really Doctor Strange because he seems to act, you know, pun intended, strangely. Um, and he's, maybe he's Mephisto. He's Mephisto. Maybe, because, because everybody is Mephisto in every Marvel project. I'm, I'm Mephisto, guys. I am Mephisto. Well, don't make me any deals, okay? So, so he, he, here's the thing, though. I just want to point out that casting a spell that he really shouldn't because it's dangerous is very much in line with the Doctor Strange that we have seen both in his own movie and in the Avengers movies. Doctor Strange is a cocky little turd when it comes right down to mm -hmm. it, who is very much willing to go, um, it, you know, in the wrong direction, so to speak, because he's way overconfident and, and a little cocky with his own abilities. Um, so, yeah, I would say that this is very much Dr. Strange and I will be shocked, shocked. I tell you if he turns out to be anything other than Dr. Strange. And I think a lot of the events in this movie, especially considering he mentions in the multiverse specifically in the trailer, is going to be a bit of a prelude to uh, Dr. Strange in the multiverse of madness. So uh, please get off the Mephisto train for crying out loud. Do we even need Mephisto in live action in the MCU? Do we really need the Marvel version of the devil running around? Don't we have better villains than Mephisto <laughs> of all people? Stop looking for Mephistos where there are none. Just let Dr. Strange be Dr. Strange. Good golly, people. Uh, a scroll was the other one I heard. It's it's secret invasion. It's a scroll. Um, uh, and uh, I think another good meme that I saw out of this, it's the SpongeBob one where he's looking for the suspects and the wanted poster is SpongeBob. And it's like Doctor Strange looking for who effed up the multiverse. So, yeah. <laughs> That's about right. So, and, and very much in character. So it's funny because everybody was like, oh, Wanda screwed up the multiverse and this is going to lead into the multiverse of madness because she's confirmed to be there. Oh, Loki and Sylvie screwed up the multiverse because that's going to lead right into and they're confirmed to be in multiverse of madness. And then you said uh, and then you have Dr. Strange saying, hold my beer. Uh, you know, when it comes, that's to what it comes down up. to. Absolutely. Yeah. So I, I totally agree with you. If you've ever read anything with Dr. Strange, you know that he is a textbook narcissist. I mean, I mean, just watch the first 10 to 15 minutes of the Dr. Strange film for a sense of who that character is. I totally agree. So let's get off the Mephisto train and just really enjoy <laughs> what is shaping up to be a fantastic Spider-Man movie on the big screen. I'm very, very excited for what we've seen so far. This has the potential to be a real, real fantastic little movie. All right, Chris, 
We're going to stay with Marvel for a second, but switch over to the world of video games. What do you have for us this week? So I, I let you take the lead on the Spider-Man trailer because this is one that completely flew under my radar. So uh, we're getting a new Marvel video game from 2K Studios and Firaxis Games, um, who famously made um, the XCOM series, XCOM and XCOM 2. Um, we are getting a turn-based RPG Marvel game called Mid Marvel's Midnight Suns. Um, this was revealed in a trailer on at Gamescom's opening night, um, and it features a real, really interesting roster. Um, so if you're familiar with the comics canon of, of Midnight Suns, you're thinking of the anti-heroes and heroes that are aligned with the occult. You're thinking of Blade, you're thinking of Doctor Strange, uh, Morbius, the living vampire, but the playable characters that have been confirmed for this game are Iron Man, Wolverine, Logan, Ghost Rider, Robbie Reyes, Blade, Captain America, and Captain Marvel. Um, and they're battling a supernatural foe known as Lilith, um, which has a deep, you know, Marvel Comics history is trying to take over mankind. I believe she's like the mother of demons or something like that. But the gameplay, or excuse me, the um, the the announcement trailer was fascinating to me. Also my, my fellow mutant fans will be happy to see Ilyana Rasputin magic, um, be making an appearance as a playable character as well. And then, um, on some of the articles that I read that the main character will be completely customizable as far as gender and appearance and all of that. Um, and then you'll be accompanied um, by these other supporting heroes in your turn-based RPG team. So I'm very, very fascinated to see this. You know, I, I went through a good stretch of my gaming history where I couldn't afford to pony up for big console games. So I played a lot of free-to-play mobile games and turn-based RPG really became quickly my bread and butter. Um, but Midnight Suns is set to be released in March 2022 on PlayStation 4, PlayStation 5, Xbox Series X and S, Xbox One, Nintendo Switch, Steam, and the Epic Games Store. Um, we're also looking for a gameplay trailer to come out uh, very soon, September the 1st. So, Dave, I'm super excited about this. Um, I'm happy to see mutants being featured heavily again now that the whole film rights debacle is over. Now, whether or not we're super happy with Disney just buying out everybody uh that that that's another story for another day but i'm excited to see wolverine and magic represented here in a in a big time marvel video game again yeah you know this one looks really interesting to me on a number of levels i will freely admit i'm not the biggest XCOM guy i am a, a fairly decent fan of Firaxis because they're involved in the development of civilization games and i'm a big fan of sid meier's civilization games so um, you know, turn-based games in particular, I'm very, very fond of. I could never really get into the XCOM games because it's a strategy element. Um, I'm much more of like a, a traditional Final Fantasy fan, you know, with, with that kind of turn-based RPG. And if this game leans a little bit more in that direction, I think this could end up being one of my, you know, all-time favorite games. You know, a really, really good media tie-in game that has kind of a, a sheen uh, of an turn-based RPG really, really works for me. You know, both of the most recent South Park games 
um, the stick of truth and the fractured butt hole uh, were both. <laughs> you notice I left that hesitation very, very targetedly. You know, both of those games were absolutely fantastic, and I played both of them to completion. I just love a good turn-based game. And so I'm really hoping uh, they do the right thing with this game, uh, and I, I'll be right there in line to, to purchase that. I think it's supposed to come out on Switch as well, which is really where I'm at home right now. So, yeah, I'm very, very excited for this one. I think this one has the potential to really, really be um, a frequent uh, go-to game for me if it's you know the kind of RPG that I'm into. Yeah, and and as I've chronicled on on the show before, my health issues with cerebral palsy and and my delayed reactions um, make turn based RPG all the more appealing to me because I feel a lot of pressure to play games that are quick, quick, quick. You got to react, react, react. And with turn game stuff, I can pause the game, clear my head, take my time to really make like an educated decision on what I want to do next. And there's it's a lot of, of big brain thinking, as the kiddies say. So uh, I'm really excited about this one. Some of my favorite characters being being brought to the video game universe. And I'm also, I'm I'm a sucker for creating your own character, customizing it, Red Dead Online. Um, I love customizing Eivor on um, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, which has taken up all my free time now with the uh, Siege of Paris being live. Oh man, I'm telling you, Valhalla, Dave. You got you got to get Valhalla. I'm telling you, I can't nerd commend this enough. One of these days, one of these days, Chris. <laughs> Just get that baby to play with you. <laughs> uh, give him a little bit more age, and I definitely will get him hooked on games. <laughs> then we'll get him. Then we'll get him to ready to to uh, run on the river raids with us. Oh yeah. All right, that wraps up our nerd news segment. What did you think of this surprise drop of the Midnight Suns? And perhaps more importantly, what are your thoughts on the No Way Home trailer? Uh, be sure to hit us up on social media at Nerd by Word on Twitter and Instagram or at That Nerd Dave, That Nerd Chris individually. After this, our first break, we have our first returning guest. We didn't scare him off the first time. Um, I'll see if I can do that this time around. Frank Martin comes back to talk about Pipe Creepers number one. So if you're a horror fan, stick around. All right, ladies and uh, gentle nerds, welcome back to the big segment for this week. Yes, it's our... And as promised in our tease, we have our first ever returning guest. We didn't scare him off the first time around. Frank, why'd you come back? Was that was that a pun for my horror? <laughs> you made it. <laughs> I also I have a problem with your intro too. It's you got gentle nerds, but ladies can be nerds too. You know. Yes. Yes. Um, equal opportunity. Usually, usually, usually they're the more gentle ones. To be fair, <laughs> that's that's a hundred percent accurate. Uh, why am I back? I'm back because I still do the comic book thing. <laughs> I talk to find people like yourself to because I love talking about my work. So what have you been up to since we talked last? What have you been up to? Uh, trying to keep my children alive. That's, <laughs> that's a full-time job. But, um, but no, I'm making books, launching books, sending books out, and, and rinse and repeat. So that's, uh, that's what we're doing. Right now I'm, I'm running a campaign for, for Pipe Creepers. Number one, my uh, my my fun offbeat horror adventure book. 
Okay, so probably the biggest tangent we went off last time. We talked we talked Amazing Spider-Man for a good deal. So since uh, since uh, we talked, don't get me started. <laughs> oh my god! So I th- I'm an against the grain guy. So I you 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 got me already. So the clock is officially ticking, and he's only got a few issues left before he jumps ship. What are you thinking right now? Uh, you know what? I was a, a Nick Spencer defender. Yeah. I I mean, I, defender is a strong word. I was like, I thought it had its ups and downs. I thought it had its good moments. But he's, I have no idea what's happening, what's going yeah. on. Some of these, some of these books, they're just... He he's built up so many characters and so many plot threads that yeah. it's just it's it's off the rails at this point. I mean, in the last, you, somebody should add up the amount of editor notes in all of these books <laughs> referencing obscure events in Spider-Man. Yes. This, it's like that's all it is. It's one big Spider-Man encyclopedia, and it's like I really don't care anymore. I'm I'm kind of I'm done. So. Is yeah, I think editorially speaking, a lot of these books are a mess. Like they just, they must have gotten the script and they were just like, okay, whatever, let's just do this. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not. Uh, I'll do respect to Nick Lowe, but like ed- editorially speaking, I, I I tend to agree with you. See, it's funny because I've kind of come around the other side of it. Um, I think here at the home stretch now, is it a mess trying to jump back and forth between different titles week after week? Um, yeah, I think it will this read better probably as an entire omnibus, probably so. So you're not having to, I, I think the week to week thing is, is the big tie up, but I, I really dug what he did. Did you read 72 this past week? Yeah, I think so. I was a fan. I was, see, I was a fan of that. I don't know if we want to spoil that or not, but the whole Norman thing, I, it made sense to me. And a lot of fans were like, oh, this no way. And I think uh, I I dug it. I dug the whole Norman because that's so on brand for Norman. Norman would do something like that. I'm just, I think I'm tired of it all. Like, it's just, it's the same shtick, you know? And I, uh, I am just, I'm, I'm really, I'm, I'm kind of past, past it all. I'm, I'm ready for this to be over. I'm ready for the next. Um... I will say that I am wholeheartedly excited for Spider-Man Beyond and what's coming. So I'm a big fan of most of the writers, um, if not all of the writers that they've got lined up um, on that kind of rotating roster. I, I immediately have a chip on my shoulder for that because they called it Spider-Man Beyond. Like, friggin' Batman Beyond owns that. You can't, you can't do that. I forgot you're a big Batman Beyond guy. Yeah, I yeah. am a big Batman Beyond guy. I'm like, it's already, it's, it's owned. You can't, it's, it's done. Yeah, it's you got to choose something else. You got to choose a different title. But it does look kind of cool. It's it is filled. You know what I just read today, which was incredible. I read uh, Spider Man Life Story Annual Number One. Oh, I need to go read that one because I really dug the whole series. I I had like an epiphany reading this because yeah. I I'm writing I'm in the middle of writing a blog post about it, and I go into detail because I, I I wrote a blog post maybe a year or so ago about we're we're off on a huge tangent here but yeah I wrote a blog, a blog post about a year ago or so called the status quo of comics and in it I talked about I used Doctor Octopus as an example and Doctor Octopus had this amazing character arc where he he gets old 
and he gets sick and he's about to die and he, he takes on like a new form you know where he looks like a mummy and he's got like other tentacles mm-hmm. yeah remember that, remember that yeah, it's 700 yeah 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 so then he it was the ends of the earth storyline and he was about to die and he became a uh, superior spider-man and then he became uh, a robot he was in like the living machine or whatever that thing is called and then Word, it, click ick <laughs> became that thing and then he became a spider-man clone so he was superior octopus and then he went back to being superior spider-man and then he went back to his original old classic doc ock self so it was like this big journey this big uh cycle that went came all the way around and now he's just back to his old regular guy and i'm like this is this is what comics is it's the status quo everything no matter how long it takes will eventually return to the status quo and the reason i bring this up is because the concept of life story subverts that entire yes 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 it it makes it makes it so that the comics have real consequences these characters live they age and they die and it it really it is something refreshing and uh, Chip Zdarsky is is an amazing writer, and he did something with Life Story that was, I think, truly unique. And I really, I really enjoyed it. And so now he had he put out an annual that it focused on J. Jonah Jameson, gave him the Life Story treatment. And once again, it, it's a one shot, but it's it really just it hits home. That it really gives these characters stake and meaning. See, it's it's funny that you say that because I'm a huge fan of Zadarsky's spectacular run uh, that was a couple years ago, and it I think it's supremely underrated. I think it was uh, issue three ten. It was one of those slice of life, very similar to uh, Dan Slott's final issue on Amazing, the eight hundred one, where it's just like this is why we love Spider Man. That um, was a phenomenal issue. That was yes. a really phenomenal issue. Where you have like, it's like those panel by panel of just everyday people. Like this is what Spider-Man means to me. So yeah, I'm, I'm a big Chip fan. And um, I think he's wrapping up Daredevil, right? So I don't think there's anybody who's not a Chip fan. Like I haven't yeah. met anyone that says, eh, nah, 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 he wrote this. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I haven't read, I haven't read everything he's written, but of the stuff that I have read, yeah. I don't think there's, there's been anything that I haven't liked. So. Okay. Um, so we're going to, so what get, are we like 15 minutes into this? Theory? I know, but we're going to go, we're, we're going to lean in a little bit because we just talked in the nerd news segment about the long awaited trailer for no way home. So just give us your quick reaction. Uh, I'm, a, I'm, I'm, a, I'm easy. I'm a simple guy. I get right. excited pretty easily. So you know what? I don't watch trailers. I'm not have a, I don't know if I've told you this, we've spoken about this before, but I purposely, stay away from trailers because I like to go into movies completely blind and fresh. Like for instance, I'm super excited for Dune. I'm totally, totally pumped for it. And I haven't watched a single trailer. Are you going to watch the speedboat in your bathtub by watching it at home? <laughs> what? <laughs> what is oh, you didn't see that? Yeah. Via Nueva came out and said that this is, you know, the whole, the, the, the whole Nolan, Christopher Nolan type thing of like the auteur. It has to be watched in a cinema. Watching, watching my film at home is like driving a speedboat in a bathtub. Yeah. I saw, I, I, I know he made some sort of comment where he wants people to yeah. watch movies, but you know what? I agree with him. It should be watched on the big screen, but dude, I got three kids. Yep. I, I got a very long day. I, I really love the <laughs> fact that I could just come home, sit on my own couch, watch a show, and then go upstairs yep. and go to sleep. There's yes. 
there's a lot to be said about that. Especially, especially where home entertainment systems have come. They've come a long way. We're not watching it on a Zenith television anymore. No, no. So, yes, I would love if, it was, if I was a bachelor, a single guy, or if I didn't have any kids. <laughs> I, absolutely. I was going, before my wife and I got married and we had kids, I was going to the movies like three or four times. Yes. There's nobody that loves the movies more than I do. But I'm not at that point in my life anymore. So this convenience is definitely a factor. Anyway, Spider-Man No Way Home. I thought the trailer was cool. I had to, oh, by the way, I had to watch the trailer simply because it's so hyped. Yes. There was no way I was going to get around not watching it. I'm not watching it 17 million times in breaking <laughs> people do. But uh, they I didn't dissect know. every little aspect. People and people, I don't can't. This, this is where this is Mephisto. That's Mephisto. No, he's a scroll. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, how did you like? Do you really have the time that you go watch it millisecond at a time and pick out all this stuff? But uh, yeah, the only thing that's kind of weird is that they used as a jumping off point for the plot one of the most derided. Spider-Man storyline in the history of Spider-Man, right. <laughs> but it's it should be it should be pretty cool. It should be a lot of fun, and I'm I'm totally. You know what? I loved. Uh, what was the second one they called it? Far from Home. I loved Far from Home. Like it. it was one of my favorite MCU movies. I I thought Mysterio. They nailed Mysterio. Oh my god! It was so. It was such a perfect. And what I'm 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 I've been you know an MCU defender, at least accused of it, but. You know, the Stark stuff is is heavy-handed, and I said this earlier in the show, so bear with me, listeners. Yes, the Stark stuff is heavy-handed, but where in the hell in the MCU is it not heavy-handed? Every villain has a tie to Tony Stark in the MCU. He's like the progenitor of this entire universe. He's the Batman and Wolverine of the MCU. Of course he's everywhere. But I think, I think the strength of the MCU Spider-Man films for the most part is it does a nice job of updating it kind of like ultimate Spider-Man did when we were kids. Like flash Thompson is not going to be this muscly bound jock, you know, teaching, teaching middle schoolers. I can tell you that's what a bully is nowadays. It's a little spoiled rich kid who thinks he's better than everybody else. And, and the idea of Mysterio like using drones and kind of like that, NSA type thing. That's a perfect Mysterio for twenty, uh, you know, twenty twenty or whenever it came out. Yeah, I um, I remember I overheard a conversation at my LCS. A guy was talking about how he didn't like Homecoming because uh, the Vulture was Liz Allen's dad, and he's like, "That's that's not how it's supposed to be. That's not how in the comic books. I can't believe they did that." I'm like, "Dude, who like who really cares? They changed it up. They switched it. They updated it. They're doing their own thing. Like, just roll with it. It was a great story. I, I enjoyed it." I liked Far From Home a lot more than Homecoming, yeah. but I the MCU has has really changed the game as far as these comic book movies and franchises and stuff. And I realized it during Civil War because so up until Civil War, everything was very plot oriented. Like they introduced something else to create a a new plot, a new a new challenge for their heroes. But Civil War was a completely character orchestrated plot. Yes. They took two different characters that were on their own trajectories throughout this franchise and they fabricated a plot based off of their histories rather than introducing a new element to it. And I and since then they've only exploded that. And we saw that in Far From Home because they took um one scene in Civil War, and they built Mister Mysterio's entire backstory around this 
obscure scene that probably everybody forgot was there. It's like and a that, butterfly effect. Yeah, it, it is. And it's so cool that after 10 years, they have so much on screen history to build off of. And, yeah. and the, that, that's what we're seeing with what if too, they're taking all of these, this interconnected history and they're, they're branching and it's, it's just an incredible time to watch. And I, I feel so jealous of the creatives that could be involved in all of that process. Yes. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's very, this is the stuff I, I feel so jealous of my son that's growing up. Like this is the stuff we dreamed the golden of. age. Yeah. 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 yeah so here we are. <laughs> okay. So real quick, any other nerd commendations for our listeners, any comic shows, games that you want to uh, recommend? You know, you know what? I'm going to I'm going to say something that I guarantee nobody has ever heard of yet. And it's Spider-Man related. We're staying on this. This is Spider-Man. We should just scrap talking about <laughs> Spider-Man related. But Spider-Man, you know, I'm going to Google this really quick because I don't even know what it's called. But there is a new Spider-Man show. I don't think anybody has seen it. And the only reason I see it is because I have little tiny kids. Are you it talking is, about the the one that's like on Disney Plus, like the yes. recent one? Yeah, Lady and his amazing friends. That's what it's called. It's like a PJ Masks of Spider Man. It's, it's oh yes, yes, yes. I saw a, a teaser for this uh, a couple months ago. It just came out this August. They're like short episodes, but they have uh, Ghost Spider and Miles Morales, and they're like little kids, and <laughs> they go on these weird like. Uh, Disney Junior relate a theme yes. episode, and and I and it's just cool because I put the show on for my kids when they have snack or lunch, and I'm just I'm kind of like watching it in the background because it's it's just it's so cool that they take these characters and they could have uh, they could have hard dark stories with them and then they completely make them lighthearted for for little kids and it was just I don't know it was I never I my entire Facebook feed is filled with nothing but nerd stuff and I don't see anybody post stuff about this little Disney Junior show. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm a, yeah, that's it's been on my it was on my radar for a couple months ago. I need to throw this one on for my kids. I, thank you for reminding me of it. If you're a 40 year old man who lives alone, I don't recommend going on <laughs> watching it. But if you have little kids and they need to watch something, uh. Why not check it out? You know, you know what was for me um, when my uh, now eleven-year-old kid was was growing up. It was um, the superhero squad show. It was super silly, super that was goofy, another one too, yes. But I it did. was, you know, it was still something that you share with your kid. Like it's, it's like, uh, like really kind of a tadpole nerd type of, you know. Show. Another good one is all the all the Lego, uh, the Lego super. Yes, the Lego ones are great. They had Lego Star Wars, Lego Spidey, and it's they're, they're all super fun. They do a great job. All right. Well, let's get back to business. The reason we're here today, talking about Pipe Creepers, where did the idea for this story come from? Any specific inspirations? This is a, a combination of two things in my life. Number one is I'm a fan. I'm a Lovecraft fan. But uh, even more than the, the Cthulhu mythos, and the, the Elder Gods and all that stuff. I'm a fan of, like, uh, Lovecraft stories that's outside of that stuff. You know, the the one-shot, one-off story, short stories that nobody ever heard hears of. That um, he just has a great atmosphere of dread and kind of this foreboding feeling. And I wanted to, to write a story that's influenced by that, that's inspired by that, leans heavily into it. And also, personally speaking... I'm a chimney sweep by trade. So I've spent a lot of time in strangers' homes, going to their basements, 
and exploring and looking at their, their stuff when we're really not. <laughs> so I wanted to combine this personal experience with my love for Lovecraft and create an original tale. So that's what where the inspiration for Pike Hughes came, came from. And uh, the quick elevator pitch is that it's not chimney sweeps, it's plumbers, because I thought plumbers would be a little bit easier to, to work with. But two plumbers go to a creepy mansion, they go into the basement, and then they uncover a, a terrifying Lovecraft-inspired secret that wraps them in uh, on an adventure that's over their heads. So I'm going to flip the question order a little bit because you made me think of this one. So the setting for the book, the house that you mentioned is, it's very specific. I'm, I'm getting some personal experience vibes. Is there any particular house that inspired this one? You know, there's not one house, but it's an accumulation of experiences, I would say. Um, I live in, I live in New York. We got a lot of, uh, old houses here, a lot of big houses with basements that you can get lost in, you know, places where they were originally built so that they have a coal chute on one side of the house that you have to cart coal all the way across the mansion in, in the basement to the other side where the, the coal furnace is, you know, it's, so it's. These places, they have like catacombs that you could really get lost in. So um, definitely I had a, um, I had different visuals in mind from personal experience when I was writing. I remember growing up being uh, small town, Minnesota, being deathly afraid of my grandmother's basement. It was one of those very rudimentary, like they just slabbed stones together. Like it looked like a cavern and like, we had to go down there one time, like there was a tornado warning and they're like, you have to come down the stairs. I'm going to stand at the top of these stairs and I would rather die by tornado <laughs> than have to go down in that freaking basement. Uh, basements are, it's one of the things people don't think about. But since I've been in so many basements, I've learned a lot that basements really hold the secrets of a lot of families. You know, people put store stuff down there. They might finish it. They, they customize it. They tailor it because it's not when you have guests in your house, you don't immediately go into the basement. You take them into the basement when you feel comfortable with them or, or whatnot. So, and when you're a service worker, people don't really think about it. You just have to go into the basement because that's where the, the stuff is that you need to work yeah. on. You, you see, you see their lives in full. They, they hang stuff on the walls. If they're hoarders, you know, if they're neat. So it's, uh, I wanted to take that notion that I've accumulated over a lifetime of, of this work and kind of throw it into the book. Yeah, I say that as as I'm recording from our basement in, in the playroom, you know, surrounded by remote control cars, um, boxes of cat litter. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's very much one of those situations. <laughs> All right. So um, some definite horror vibes in Pipe Creepers. Um, and it's undeniable. You said Lovecraft, but there are any other go-to horror flicks or, or horror media for you? You know, it's as far as pipe creepers or just in general, just, just for you and your personal taste. You know what? I'm, I'm all over the place. I really, I, I love everything. So I, I just made a, I just made a weird Facebook post that I, that I asked my Alexa for an sync song and they played a corn song. And I kind of watched it because it was still a song that I liked. So my taste in music are all over the place. My taste in movies. That's, that's the total request live yeah. <laughs> in you. <laughs> I remember when Freak on a Leash would be up against like tearing up my heart and stuff like that. 
<laughs> so uh, as far as horror goes, man, I you know what? I just watched recently um, the the Fear Street trilogy that was on Netflix. I've heard such great stuff about that. It was, it was really good. And while I was watching it, I had a, a little bit of like an epiphany and a revelation in that it's horror. It's definitely horror. But there's this other checkmark box that it has where it's it's fun horror you know like if you're a horror aficionado and you love the genre of horror you're gonna have fun watching this movie it's not meant like if you watch uh midsomar or um what's that other uh all those other weird horror movies that are like kind of artsy horror movies like sinister that's made to jump out and scare you they're not fun you know i mean you you can watch them you can have a good time with them but they're, they, they're lacking that fun factor. And Pipe Creepers is definitely supposed to check that um, fun box off. You know, it's not meant to be super gory or super scary. It's it's kind of it's got a little comedic beats to it. It's a little offbeat and it's quirky. And it's definitely it's meant to be fun horror. It's not meant to be like scary in your face horror. It's, it's kind of funny because it reminds me of um, the Polar Paradox, what you did with that that first issue of almost the Hitchcockian-ness of it, like uh, the unseen things are what's really scary. You know what? I never heard Hitchcock when uh, related to that book yet, but it does make sense. It certainly does. So uh, what else is a fun stuff? Like Shaun of the Dead. Shaun of the Dead is definitely a horror movie. You can't say that it's not. But it leans so far into the realm of comedy that it's like it blends those the the two together. So um, yeah, I I like having fun with, with, with different genres like that oh man you, you you got me going down a rabbit hole now i need to go watch Shaun of the dead and hot fuzz again <laughs> i love that dynamic duo so much yeah i you know what i haven't seen i haven't seen uh the one with the alien where it's, oh, it's so funny it's so good it's like it's one of those where you're like this this is probably going to be really stupid but i i like really enjoyed it and i was really surprised and you know seth rogan voicing an alien is just pitch perfect well, you know what's cool? When you say something, when you you say to yourself before you watch it, this is going to be so dumb, you're setting yourself yes. up for next stupidity. So it's <laughs> when you can do that, it makes things so much more palatable. It's uh, I'm I'm sad. Dave Dave's unavailable for the, the time of the recording of this, but he got me into Hot Fuzz. And like I'm forever indebted to him for that because the the pitch that he got me to go watch the movie was – Dude, there's a scene where he drop kicks an old lady and you just have to watch it. And it's, so I, I found a gif of it and I just send it to him every once in a while. Just the, the drop kicking of the old lady. I was just like, oh, my God, like that's that's peak cinema. That's awesome. OK, so this is issue one of two Pipe Creepers. Um, when can readers anticipate the release of the second issue? Uh, we're going to start production as soon as this Kickstarter ends. So uh, I don't. March, April of next year. I think that should be a good time frame for a launch. Um, I have a lot of projects going on, so I'm pretty fluid with when things launches. Depend on if there are delays, if things are moving faster than most. But I don't like to pe- keep backers waiting too long to get a subsequent issue if they're waiting on it. So I think I'm going to try to shoot for around that time. Okay. So speaking of other projects, anything else that you can reveal at this time and tease to our audience? Sure. Um, my next book after this one will launch in November, and it is a sci-fi book. Kind of, it's got, it's got a real. Yeah, it's got a real. Language. 
it's got a real Star Wars vibe to it. It's a fun adventure book. And the basic premise is it's called Grim Space. Grim as in Grimm's fairy tales. Because what Ooh. I'm doing what I'm doing is I'm taking uh, various fairy tales and old stories and I'm reimagining them in a kind of a sci-fi uh, fantasy Star Wars-esque setting. Isn't it crazy how like Grimm's fairy tales are like that? Like how many, you know, retellings have we had in pop culture and it works almost every time. Like yeah, that show Grimm was great. Like once upon a time, like you could just do so much with, with timeless stories like that. Fables. Yeah. Fables. It. Yes. Yeah. So oh, there's, yeah, they're, they're, they're all over the place and they're, they're, you know, what's weird is because our introduction to those stories wasn't the original versions anyway. Right. Exactly. So it, innately you have all these other layers you have to dig through to get to the real stuff so it kind of sets itself up for so yeah i'm 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 getting a little i'm getting a little ahead of myself here but i'm doing a a follow-up grim space issue with pinocchio and and that's that's not what what's going in november that's probably that's way down the line but anyway, I'm researching into Pinocchio, and I keep coming back to the Disney version because that's the most popular one. It's in everyone's head. But that's nothing like the original <laughs> Pinocchio. So it's it's so weird to, to, to the most the most well known iteration of a character is in its original form, which is is so wild to think of. This this will tell you what an oddball I am. When you say Pinocchio, I immediately think of Shrek. So. <laughs> it's, it's, it's true you say something and you could get five different people thinking yeah. five versions. all right so frank thank you so much for your time tonight and one more time uh where can our listeners go to support you and your work i'm simple i'm frank the writer so you can find my website at frankthewriter.com or twitter instagram and facebook my handle there is at frank the writer so Go find me. I'm pushing Pipe Creepers. It's going to end September 10th. And if you're you're into fun horror stuff, uh, give it a look. Okay. Oh, real quick. What's some what's some cool swag or incentives for your backers before we go? So what we got going on is I do a theme song for, for every one of my books. We have that available. I have a, a variant cover. I offer um, a, a foil version of the standard cover and, of course, a bundle that puts them all together. I have a digital deluxe version that includes obviously the digital book and then some extra short uh, horror shorts that have never been published. Well, what else we got going on? I I got some commission tiers too for me and the art team. So uh, a bunch of cool stuff you could check out and also add-ons for all my other previous, my previous comics and my previous novels. All right. Pipe creepers. Number one live on Kickstarter right now. Go check it out. Frank, thank you so much for your time, man. Thank you as always for having me on. All right, a special thanks to Frank Martin uh, for coming back and talking with us about Pipe Creepers number one, which is live on Kickstarter right now. So be sure to head over there and support that. A nice, really cool uh, horror book. So if, if horror is your vibe, uh, be sure to support a really, really good individual and a really talented creator. Uh, when we come back from this, our final break, we're going to hit you with two more nerd commendations. <laughs> And we're back for our final segment, the one you've all been waiting for. Now, Dave, 
every March, I don't watch a whole lot of college basketball, so I just pick the top teams, and it's really easy to predict uh, predict my bracket. Similarly, this was a really easy nerd commendation to predict for you. Hey, now, wait, what, what are you saying? I'm predictable? <laughs> That's horrible, man. I'm going to have to start getting the weird stuff out again. I thought last week was Oh, yeah, the, the, dead, the dead Wardians are returning. <laughs> yeah, really. I think I have my, my share of extremely weird recommendations. But in this particular case, I'm very much on this brand. One, this one is your kryptonite. I wouldn't. Oh, my God. So we we need to talk about, you know, Superman 78, a a comic book six issue miniseries that is set in the world of Superman, the movie uh, famously directed by Richard Donner and featuring Christopher Reeve in the title role. Uh, The comic book is written by Robert Venditti and art by Wilfredo Torres. And oh, did this first issue sing. It's absolutely a beaut, Chris. So if you have any kind of nostalgia for uh, Superman the movie and Chris Reeve's portrayal of the character, then this is, is, is just like chicken soup for the soul. But I also want to just point out that it is more than a new story set in an old movie universe. It's also very much quintessential Superman. Holy crap, is that, that Brainiac? Yes. Ah! So, so what they're doing here is, you know, the, the first of all, we have fantastic banter between Lois Lane and Clark Kent. We very much are back to, you know, Superman the movie and, you know, previous iterations of the character where Clark is, is sort of a little clumsy uh, and a little more mild-mannered uh, in order to, you know, perfectly disguise him so he can, you know, move freely as Superman. He's very much saving people in secret again. There's a very cool sequence involving his heat vision and a purse snatcher. Um, it's just, it's very much a quintessential Superman tale. There's a great fight, uh, between Superman and a robot that is very much a, a sort of drone, I guess, of Brainiac, one of his uh, very best villains, I believe. And so bringing Brainiac into the world of Superman, the movie, uh, is actually very, very cool. Um, solicitations for, um, issue two already are hinting that Superman is actually going to try to consult with Lex Luthor, since he's a genius, to try to figure out what this robot is that he had to defeat in issue one, which already uh, points to some really interesting interactions. I'm, I'm just very, very pleased with, with the storytelling and this. The writing is, is very sharp. It very much recaptures the vibe of, of Superman the movie, but at the same time, it just feels like a really, really good Superman story. Um, and then we have to just talk about Taurus's artwork for a second, which it does not go for some kind of like photorealistic, um, you know, trying to recapture the actor's likenesses necessarily. I mean, you can see essence of Chris Reeves and Margot Kidder in uh, the Lois and Clark in this book. But at the same time, there's a there's a healthy bit of artistic interpretation here that makes it never feel, you know, creepy you know there's so also often when when comic book artists try to capture the exact likeness of an actor it almost borders on the creepy but but not here here there's just enough artistic interpretation in the art to make it you know distinct and very beautiful uh the coloring even is is absolutely fantastic in it it's just very vibrant and and beautiful there's even i almost want to say there's there's almost like a little bit of a um 
Superman the Animated Series vibe to some of the shots in the art. You know, like there's there's a, a, a beauty in the simplicity of some of the line work and stuff. It's it's very, very, very cool. I, I cannot say enough about the first issue. I've really loved it, and I cannot wait to see where the story's going, Chris. So, you know me, like, I'm super cautious when it comes to blatant nostalgia, but this one, like... I'm supremely intrigued. I'm I'm loving the art and and you absolutely nailed it. There are particular artists who go for a super photorealistic stuff. And sometimes it gives me the heebie jeebies. It feels like invasions of the body snatchers. Um, but this one is just, it's beautiful. It's majestic. It's big. It's bold. And I already interrupted you before brainiac. Oh my God. Injustice two. the most captivating thing about that game was the brainiac. Uh, character and the and that arc was just so fascinating and terrifying um so i'm I'm super excited to check this one out um i'm not as well versed in the film i think i've seen it once or twice as you but um it, it really did capture you know my heart for that truth and justice and 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 all of the all the things that we should try to emulate as a hero um Holy crap, that really looks like um, the Lex Luthor actor that I'm blanking on right now. Gene Hackman. Gene, that looks just like Gene Hackman. Like, oh my God. Yeah, um, so I, I'm definitely checking this one out. Um, I've, I've got my hands full with Morrison's JLA right now, which is a, a supremely beautiful sci-fi weirdo nerd ride. But I, I might have to take a break and read this one. I will also just go on a very, very brief but much-needed rant. Like, who in the world do we have to bribe to get Brainiac as a Superman villain on the yes! big screen? Yes, yes. Like, I mean, if you think about it, we we had Superman the movie, uh, which was Lex Luthor. You had Superman 2, which was Zod. Then, uh, you know, I don't acknowledge 3 and 4. Uh, <laughs> then we had Superman Returns, which, hey, Lex Luthor again. Then we had Man of Steel. Oh, wait, it's Zod again. Like, Superman has some fantastic villains out there. Who in the world do we have to bribe to get a Superman movie that actually features Brainiac as the villain? It makes no sense that he has such a great rogues gallery, and they just keep going back to Zod and Lex and Zod and Lex over and over again. Heck, I would even pay to see the Eradicator as a villain as a villain on the big screen i think that's a i think in a lot of ways a more compelling kryptonian villain than zob is that the one is that the one i met in rebirth yeah yeah kind of i mean it was the fight on the moon yes so there's an earlier version of the eradicator uh i think it's from um john burns run uh in post-crisis and in that particular case the eradicator sort of like hypnotized slash took control of superman and tried to turn him into like the perfect kryptonian and wanted to reshape earth as a new krypton and so there's there's a a very strong internal conflict in that you know initial series by john byrne where it's like superman you know how much is he kryptonian how much is he human and and how can the humanity overtake the kryptonian you know and and byrne's version of krypton was very very cold and and sterile and people, you know, didn't reproduce naturally. They, you know, made babies basically like in a lab. And, and so there was a sterility to that. Um, And, and that kind of really comes through like the humanity versus that coldness. It's just a very, very cool little arc with the way, the way Byrne had written that. I'm I'm wanting to say it was Byrne. I'll have to go back and look to be certain. I know it's a post-crisis story, but um, 
Yeah, like even the Eradicator would make a very interesting villain on the big screen to kind of point that out that duality in Superman between the Kryptonian and the human. Um, but again, you know, we all we get is Zod and Lex. So, you know, end rant, end rant, end rant. <laughs> maybe, maybe uh, Brainiac, Brainiac's name, if we're being honest, uh, it's a little silly. The name of Brainiac, but the character. So like when I first saw Brainiac, I was like, hmm, that, that sounds really goofy. But like the character is so compelling, like it, beyond the surface of just the name Brainiac. I mean, go for it. I totally agree. Yeah. All right, Chris, you are recommending something that I definitely want to sink my teeth into. What have you got? Oh, my gosh. So if you um, are familiar with the the free TV channel platform uh, of Pluto TV, they have an app now. Um, At least I have it on the iOS. I'm sure they have it on Google Play and whatnot. But um, it's really highly enjoyable. You have like a bunch of different channels that like I think they're at least there used to be a 007 channel, um, which just constantly plays James Bond stuff. Uh, there's an action movie channel. There was a Walker, Texas Ranger. Just shut up and like just turn it on. Uh, that was my show growing up. Um, but you got me hooked on this, Dave. My favorite channel is the MST3K channel. And I could just yeah. put that on and it helps me fall asleep at night, giggling in my sleep. Um, and the nice thing about it too now is they have an on-demand feature. So I just search MST3K. Like if there's, if like, now you do have to watch commercials, which, you know, I'm a child of the nineties. I'm not that spoiled yet. I can, I can stomach a few commercials. Um, so if I just search MST3K, it has like a, a pretty extensive library of stuff. I keep scrolling, keep scrolling for one I haven't seen yet. So, I mean, it's absolutely free. You just have to put up with a couple of commercials. They also have, like, movies on there. They just added um, the the original Matrix trilogy. So I think I'm going to rewatch that in, um, you know, in preparation for uh, the new Matrix coming out. But, yeah, the Pluto TV app, absolutely free, um, particularly the Mystery Science Theater 3000 channel. You can't go wrong with uh tom servo and company at least he's my favorite robot who's your favorite robot dave oh tom servo obviously. yes tom servo supremacy i will say um there, there are so many good uh you know pluto tv channels if you're willing to just kind of jump into something and go with the flow one of my favorites besides of course the mst3k channel is also the classic doctor who channel yes so you know it has all the the classic doctor who's just running on this this infinite loop and I always jump in like, oh, oh, here's a good, you know, Tom Baker story. I can, I can chill for a second and enjoy that. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of this as well, Chris. Um, I wish I could watch as much TV uh, as I did, you know, before my family grew. But uh, <laughs> hopefully, eventually, I'll have a little bit more time for the television. Uh, and and Pluto TV has been a go-to um, for for many things that I really enjoy because it's fun to have something that you can just kind of put on that's sort of on a continuous loop. And just, you know, like, like you and, and Walker Ugly Ranger, you know, it's just, I mean, Texas <laughs> Ranger. It just kind of runs in the background and it's, you know, comfort food, so to speak. Yes. The eyes of the ranger are upon you. So, so be careful there. <laughs> uh, he probably needs corrective lenses at this point, Chris. <laughs> All right. That wraps up another exclusive, special, super awesome episode of the Nerd by Word podcast. Thanks to Frank Martin for coming back and talk to us about pipe creepers number one be sure to check that one out 
hit us up on social media at Twitter and Instagram at nerd by word. Uh, and always as well, uh, individually at that nerd, Dave and that nerd, Chris. And if you enjoy our show, please don't be shy about it. Give us a rating uh, and a review on your favorite podcast platform. We are available wherever podcasts can be found. I mean, we are everywhere. I mean, we're talking Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio. I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous. You can find us anywhere, including our very own website, nerdbyword.com. So don't be a stranger. And we also have a boatload of digital comics codes to give away. So if you are subscribing to the show, send us a DM, slide into our DMs and send us a picture. Um, We'll give you one for for every platform. If you subscribe on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, we'll give you two comics codes. Um, So we've got plenty of digital comics codes. Just send us proof. Um, of your subscription and we got plenty of comics to give away but all as always stay well and stay nerdy the nerd byword is written and produced by chris and dave two nerds with a love of all things pop culture the podcast features music by al Jimenez with additional drops composed by joe biondi our show art is by ashery design find us at nerdbyword.com and wherever podcasts are available 